Look at your neighbor and say, when God digs your well. I know that's not a complete sentence, but I hope the sermon will finish it for us. Isaiah 12, verse 2 and 3. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. How many found that to be true? Therefore, because, he said, because of what I've done, because of who I've been, because of how I've performed, I've been your strength and your song, your salvation. God said, that's who I am. Because of that, with joy, shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. With joy. This isn't an arduous journey when you get a hold of what God really wants to do in your life. When you just kind of get a a little picture. It may be micro right now, but God's wanting to turn it macro in your life. God wants you to realize with joy you're going to draw waters out of the well of salvation. And what God began, God doesn't finish until he brings us through the portals of glory. Until we step on gates, uh, on streets of gold. Until we go through those pearly gates. Let me just remind us today, God's still in the process of working out our salvation. And I think God's still at the work of doing that work this morning. If If you're glad that you know a Savior today, would you lift both hands for a moment and just kind of declare how good God has been in your life? We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. We know of Abraham as the father of faith, but sometimes we forget the times that he was the father of faith. That he was the failure of faith. Genesis 16 introduces us to a human problem. And also when we see the problem, how humanity tries to intervene and create our own potential sometimes. Verse 1 says, Sarah, Abraham's wife, bear him no children. There's the problem. Sarah is barren. She, uh, She has never carried Abraham's child. She's never been able to conceive. But... As they're aging in their lives, she says that she kind of takes a look around and she realizes that she has a handmaid. Because human endeavor always seeks its own hand to perform God's plan. Our our will, that's why God said you got to pray that your flesh doesn't get in the way. Because if it gets in the way, then I can't do what I want to do. And this little story is included in scripture, I believe, because it's a reminder of what happens when we choose to walk our own way and we refuse to hear the word of God. You won't ever have to look very far to find an option to to obey obedience. To obey God is the most important thing. Obedience to God's word, obedience to God's plan, obedience is our number one priority. God's more in God's way more concerned about our obedience than he is our performance. God's far more concerned about the fact that we're going to obey his word than than whatever we end up carrying out through his word. God said, number one, it's obedience. And and he had already given Abraham uh, a responsibility to wait for the promise that he had given to him. It's always going to be easier to do it your way. You'll never have to sacrifice brain cells to figure out the shortcut to sin. It's just going to be right there. You have to uh, 
intentionally choose to overlook the options that the world will present to you to take the place of God. So whatever you want to call it, Sarah's misunderstanding, Sarah's refusal to adopt Abraham's promise, Sarah uh, maybe not having Abraham communicate well enough the faith that he had felt from the beginning, maybe his lack of support opened the door in Sarah's mind to choose Hagar, her servant, as an option. Her maid becomes the thing that she presents to her husband. Sarah said to Abraham, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Now if you just kind of take a moment, and we don't have time to go through the entire book of Genesis this morning. Uh, I'm aware of what time it is, but I'm also aware that God is wanting to speak today. So if you'll just stay with me for a moment. So for 13 years, the resentment grows in Sarah's life because she watches as Ishmael grows. She watches as this child of the bondwoman becomes a part of Abraham's pride and joy. She watches as, as Ishmael becomes the focus and, and Abraham spends his time uh, paving a way for this child that is not the promised one. He's the substitute. He's the fill in the gap. He's, he's the other option. He's that child. So for 13 years, the resentment grows. And when God finally comes through with his promise like he said that he would, we have this struggle. We have a challenge because the problem is still there. The, and I'm not trying to say that Ishmael's not Ishmael's fault. As a matter of fact, God stood in the gap for Ishmael. Ishmael uh, you'll, you'll find that, that God stood there, and, and when she was, when Hagar was first conceived, when she first conceives, that that Sarah becomes so upset with her that that she, the Bible says she dealt harshly with her. I don't know what that means. I can only imagine. But in those moments, Hagar's only option is to run away, and God meets Hagar, and He sends her back. The Word of God sends Hagar back to. To Sarah and she submits to Sarah and so the following 13 years without a doubt are very difficult. So that resentment grows and finally when the friction gets to that fever pitch it divides Abraham's family and Abraham is forced to send Ishmael and Hagar away. Verse 14 it says Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it to Hagar putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. Sent her away. She departed and she wandered into the wilderness of Beersheba. This is the second time that she's been out from under the roof of Abraham. But this time it's permanent. The Bible says that the water was spent in the bottle. And she cast her child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off. As it were a bow shot. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. You see, Hagar had run out of all options. She had nowhere to go. It wasn't her fault. It wasn't her problem. But now she finds herself in the most impossible situation. She doesn't have another family that she can turn to. She's a bond woman. She, she's a slave in Abraham's household. She, she doesn't have anybody else she can turn to. She has no network of friends. She's got no peers that she can lean on. And now the only thing that Abraham gave her was gone. 
Just the bottle and the bread was all she had. And now the bottle is spent and the bread is gone. And, and she doesn't have any other hope. So she just kind of places Ishmael under a shrub somewhere. And she goes and she finds a place a far way off. Because she doesn't want to see her child die. It's not her fault. It's not... It's not pretty wet. I can't even imagine what that, that circumstance would be like. But, but now the water is gone and she's got no other options. She's at her life's end. I don't know if any of you ever ever felt like that or not. I don't know if any of you have ever got to the point where you're at the very bottom and you've got nowhere else to turn. But that is exactly where Hagar was. I, I, just, I just feel a little challenged in the Holy Ghost for a moment. And I'm wondering if you would just lift your hands for a minute. I feel the presence of God that, that's, that's wanting to move. But I feel like there's a little struggle in the Holy Ghost right now. So I'm wondering if you just kind of, the Holy Ghost isn't struggling, but, but the enemy's struggling right now. He's got a couple little strongholds he's trying to hang on to. But I, I wish you just kind of release God's power to minister in this room. God, we're, we're leaning back to that moment where we just felt your glory move in this place. Jesus, we're inviting you to touch down in lives and in hearts. And God, you have a message for somebody. I speak against every distraction. God, I speak against every thought, every doubt. I speak against every, God, everything that would kind of step in to sideline somebody's spiritual purpose today that you're wanting to bring, that you're wanting to release. God, we allow you the privilege of moving among your people. This is your house. These are your sheep. You purchased them with your blood. So, God, we, we take the authority today that you would desire. God, work in the way that you want to work. I, I feel that little lift coming right now. Would you just kind of praise God for a minute? Come on. People may abandon you, but God hasn't abandoned you. People may do you wrong, but God's never done you wrong. God's about ready just to kind of reveal, let there be a revelation that's going to happen in the room right now. Because what happens next in Hagar's life, you watch, she, she has nowhere else to turn and she's got nowhere else to go. And it's in the midst of that bad dream that's turned into a nightmare that God shows up. I don't know if you've ever been in that place before, but I have. I've been in the, in the night where the darkness kind of loomed in and, and you didn't know where else to turn. But I've also found that in that season, God shows up. I found that in the midst of those impossible circumstances, that if I kind of quieted all the noise around me, I could hear the still, small voice of God cutting through all of that and making something very clear. I've got a plan, and I've got a purpose, and there isn't anybody or anything that can stand in the way of God's plan and God's purpose for your life. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they are. If God's plan is laid out for your life, and you're willing to walk in it, God is going to bring you through. That's what I know. Woo-ah. Come on. I, I just got to tell somebody, you drank from the old water bottle long enough. It's empty now because God has a well that he's going to bring into your life. That water bottle is empty because it can't take you to where you need to go. Come on, don't, hope's not lost when the bottle gets empty. I'll tell you why. Because God's about to dig a well. Your dream is dying. Your promise is spent. You don't know where to turn. But God is going to dig a well. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. 
It seemed like a cut and dry story. This is where it ends for Hagar and Ishmael. It's the desert. There's nothing growing except for the bush that she's placed her child under just for the shade of his last dying breath. But just hang on, Hagar. You forgot one thing. The Almighty has no impossibility. You forgot something. The Almighty is able to do the work. You forgot something. God, when, when all of your wells are empty, God's about to dig a well. God's about to dig a well. God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of the heavens and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Don't worry, Hagar. Maybe her cry had silence, but the boy's cry hadn't. And God heard it. Anybody ever prayed on your behalf before? So no doubt she's reflected on what she's just been through, the household that she left. It's not fair. Someone said, it's not fair. Life's not fair. Just let's deal with it. Sarah has Isaac. Hagar has Ishmael. Sarah has the laughter. She has just disaster. Sarah has the promise, but Hagar has the outcast. Sarah has everything. She's got Abraham in the household, and Hagar has nothing. But Hagar, don't forget, God is on your side. <laughs> Hagar may have forgotten the promise, but God has not forgot the promise. God had sent her back, not so she'd end up in this place. God sent her back to submit to Sarah because he had a plan for Hagar. God had a future, and if God ever gave you a future, nothing can stand in the way. It doesn't matter how dry the water bottle gets. The well is still going to have water when you dip down into it. It doesn't matter. Hagar, you thought the joy was only going to be coming uh, to you from Sarah and Abraham's tents, but hold on. God's got a promise that's coming to your house. And the word of God comes to Hagar. And God says, arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, because I'm going to make him a great nation. Hagar, I want you to get up. That's, just, that's, a, that's the word somebody needs this morning. Arise. It's time to get up. It's time to go forward. Green means go. Still got a little of that in my, in my spirit this morning. Green means go. Arise. Lift up the lad and hold him in thy hand. Get up and get ready to go. Hagar, I want you to pick up the promise. The promise that you discarded. The promise that you thought had been passed over. Because God's still got a plan. God's got a plan. And I love what, what the scripture says next. Genesis 21 verse 19. And God opened her eyes. Whew. Not just a mirage. But in that barren landscape, God opened her eyes. And I'm sure at first she thought, that's, that's impossible. I've sat here this long. I've examined every possibility and there isn't any. So now why on the horizon is there a well that I didn't see before? I'll tell you why. Because God can dig the well. God's able to dig a well in the midst of your wilderness. God will bring a well when the water bottle gets empty. God can still dig a well. But here's what's happening in the service this morning. God is opening somebody's eyes because you didn't see it before. It didn't make sense to you. Maybe you're just along for the ride or you're just here for the journey. But, but all of a sudden, God's beginning to open your eyes because God wants you to see that he has a well available for you. 
You said, well, that, that's got to be for somebody else. I, I've heard about the scripture with joy. They'll draw waters out of the well of salvation. But surely that couldn't mean me. Hold up. That is for you. That promise is for you this morning. And the Bible tells us that God opened our eye, her eyes. I do believe this morning that God is opening eyes. And there it was. That place that she had already paced through in her drought. In the same place that she had already given up hope. God was bringing help. In that place of death, God was showing up. And now there was a well. I just, I just need us to think about that for a minute or two. Has anyone ever like kind of just gone too far on the empty in your car? I need a car with three or four ding. You're, you only have a quarter tank left in your fuel tank. You're down to one-eighth of a tank. Ding! You better get out and get ready to push. <laughs> I, I, I like, I like, I figure if I'm driving around all the time with three-quarters of a tank of fuel, I'm wasting I've got to drag that fuel around. I figure I can get at least one-eighth of a mile per gallon more if I don't have to drag around three-quarters. That's 30 liters. Anyone, anyone here like lugging around 30 liters of gas? Neither does my car. I don't know. I, I've been there when, when that... Gas tank, I told, I've talked about it before. I, I've only run out of gas a few times. So, how many have never run out of gas? Hands up. Oh. I need to go. I need some more people like me in the room. Never. Come on, Never. Never. Some of you have never run out of gas. But I don't know if you've ever been there when it's just kind of, we were, <clears throat> Kath and I did a little road trip at, uh, last week, the beginning of last week, went down to Halifax and did a little tour in Nova Scotia, came back, and back through Moncton and Pastor Justin, actually we, we, we were still in Nova Scotia, we were in Pictou County and he said you got to do this Pictou County pizza and you got to, <clears throat> you know, take a drive out through here, so uh, Anyhow, there's this provincial park. He said, you got you to check that out. So we, we drove out there, but I was thinking provincial park, gas station nearby. Nope. So now I've got the 53 kilometers to empty, 48 kilometers to empty, 30 kilometers to empty. And, and Kathy's smart enough now. She's like, did you get gas? It's like, No. So we're calculating the coordinates and the GPS, you know, how much further. And I, I, I don't know that I've ever put that much fuel 
in our Sierra VV4 by the time we did get to the I'll end of the story. I didn't run out of gas. Thank the Lord for Kathy. <clears throat> but but we I don't know if you've ever just kind of been down to that place where where things are empty. Empty. I mean, I mean, if, if there was a fuel gauge on your life, it's it's there. But that's where Hagar was, empty. And there are times when God allows us to be emptied of ourselves because it's in those moments where our ambitions leave. And God says, if I'm, if I'm going to ever allow you to walk in my plan, into my will, then I have to allow your life to lose everything until you get to empty. But God doesn't leave us there. And that's what I'm bringing to us this morning is that in that moment of Hagar's life where she was empty, God said, hang on. Now I want to show you my well. God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. We can come back to the music this morning. In that place of emptiness, God can perform the work of filling us with himself. I'm not too young to remember the challenges of hand-dug wells. Kathy's father will proudly take you to the well near his camp that he dug by hand. If I wasn't there, I can tell you the words that he would use. It was hard pan, hard digging, but he dug the well. I, I know that that the, the wells that we dig with our hands, it's hard going. It's labor intensive. My father dug the well at his camp. I, I've got a friend. His parents owned a home in the outskirts of Sussex. I, I remember it was a didn't have a good well. It had a shallow well. I remember being there in the hot summers, and they would encourage water conservation. You know, if it's yellow, let it mellow. I'll let that, I'll let that mellow. Can I just, can I just remind you that that's not the way that God's well works? That's the way our well works. The well, the well that we dig, it's going to empty. Someplace, some point, sometime, you some dry spell where life just crashes in. Your well is going to empty. Your well is, it, it, it's just going to, you're going to put down <clears throat> the bucket like you have so many times. But by the time it gets to the bottom, all you're going to hear is just a little clunk. And the water is going to be gone out of your well. If that's, if that's what you want to drink from, if that's what you're going to sustain yourself from, at some point your well is going to be dry. But if you let God be the well, if you let God dig the well in your life, then every time, every time that the seasons are dry, then you're going to find God show up and you'll have strength for the journey. That's why scripture says, with joy shall you draw waters out of the wells of salvation. Because we can't save ourselves, but God can save us.
He's the Savior we sang about this morning. He's the Deliverer. He's the one that's able. Our hand, Doug Wells, they'll never suffice. They'll never supply. But if you'll allow God to do things God's way, you know, I, I don't know if any of you <clears throat> ever know much about artesian wells or not. There's a, a little artesian well only about five kilometers from here. It's, it's on River Street, just out past the Pentiac Bridge. If you didn't know it was there, you might drive right on by. I've driven by that well. When temperatures were minus 30, I've driven by it. When <clears throat> there was snow covered all around the road and, you know, it was about 30, deg 30 degrees below zero. And, and if you look, you'll find that that water is still flowing. That's artesian well. No, nobody dug that. Nobody got their pickaxe out and made, made a, 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 that cistern. All that is just to hold the water for people that want to fill up their water jugs. It's just an artesian well. It just continually flows. I, I've been by there when it's dry. Anybody been out there at River Street? Yeah, I've been literally, I've been by there hundreds of times. And not one time has that ever stopped flowing. Not one time. That's not a human engineered well. That, that isn't something put out by the city of Fredericton or, or the, you know, the rural planning committee for that, that region. That, 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 that's just a natural artesian well. Out of the ground, the water just keeps on flowing. It never stops. It, it just, I, I went out this morning and took that picture. Took that little video clip and filled up my water bottle at the same time. I, I never once have had to, no effort. All I did was pulled over and filled up. That's all I did. Didn't have to, didn't have to dig anything, no, no shovel to get out, nothing to get in the way. It's just that, just that water keeps flowing. That's, that's, the, that's the way that God does things. If we try and dig our own well, we're going to wear ourselves out, and eventually it's going to run dry. But here's what I do know, that if we let God do the work, His supply will never end. His flow never stops. It just continually flows and flows and flows. And so we, we look at this, and we're, let me just tail it off in two minutes. Are you ready? If we want to create our own salvation, our well will run dry. But if we allow God to build the well, if we allow God to dig the well, it's going to be a well of salvation that never runs dry. Never. Therefore, with joy, shall you draw water out of the well of salvation. When I'm lost, he's my salvation. When I've been wronged, he's my salvation. When my trust has been broken, he's my salvation. When I'm weak, he's my salvation. When I'm discouraged, he's my salvation. When I'm broken, he's my salvation. When the world has just tried to, to wear me out, he is my salvation with joy shall you draw water out of the well of salvation, and that will never stop flowing. If we allow God to become salvation in our life, it's difficult because it means that we've got to put our shovels up, our shovel of self-success, our pickaxe that we've just used with such excellence to carve our own way. God says, 
going to have to put it all up. I want to become the well of salvation in your life. I wonder if you'd stand together with me this morning. I'm encouraging us today to examine what well we're drinking from. Maybe right now your well's, your well's doing pretty good. You're proud of it. You've got Lehman Well. Right over the top, big letters, strong sign. But here's what I know. That well will run dry. But if you let God dig your well, never. You'll never be empty. That water will continue flowing. It will never stop. Regardless of whatever it is that you're walking into, there will still be that flow of salvation that comes into your life because he is a savior today. With joy, we have the privilege of drawing waters from the well of salvation. It's not a limited option for, not restricted. Anybody can come to that well. Everybody's, everybody's welcome at the mouth of that well. That well's for you today. That, that well's for you if you've been here for 50 minutes. That well's for you if you've been here for 50 years. That's your well. Because God dug that well for you. I wonder if you just close your eyes. Let's pray together. I'm going to invite us to come because some people are in the valley of decision and I want this altar area, this front section. We just come. We just make our way from our seats and walk, walk down these aisles so that we can make a declaration maybe to God, maybe to people around us, but mostly to ourselves that we want God to make a change in our life that we're going to draw from the well of salvation and God is going to bring the joy that only he can bring. I feel it just flowing in the room today. Jesus, we turn to you right now. God, we've released this burden that you placed in our heart. And God, you... You're waiting for someone to receive that revelation, for someone's eyes to be opened. That's the words you used for Hagar. God, we can walk around with our eyes wide shut all the time. We go through life with our spiritual eyes shut. But God, I pray that in these moments in this room this morning that you would open someone's eyes. Allow them to see that you are the hope for them today. That plan of salvation that you have is so simple. It starts with the turning around in our lives. It's a turn from sin to you. It's repentance. It's redirecting. It's reordering. It's deciding that you are going to be in control of our life. I, I pray that someone would see that need in their heart, God, in their activity. God, we're lifting someone to you today, their next step. They've already repented, but God... Their next step is baptism. I pray today that that salvation you spoke about in the Old Testament that was exampled in the New would become a reality in somebody's life. I thank you for what you're doing in Phil's heart. God, I'm celebrating that moment that we're going to have in just a few minutes. But God, I, I believe that there's more in the room that need that experience today. And God, your spirit is calling and inviting. You're opening someone's eyes to see the promise of baptism that 
they can go down in water and rise to walk a brand new person in you. That every sin is washed away by the power of your blood. And God, that you release them into your purpose and plan that you have for them. With joy, we can draw waters from the well of salvation. And God, you're not finished there. You want to fill somebody with your spirit today. God, you want someone to stand with arms raised and hands lifted. And God, you want to release them of every bondage and care, hurt and pain. And God, you want to flow into their life with your presence. God, with your power, with your spirit. And God, you want to release, God, that with the evidence of speaking in a language that they've never learned before. God, I pray that someone would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. God, let that happen in this room. And for that, we will draw water with joy from the well of salvation this morning. We give you great praise. I wonder if... If you're dedicating and determined that you're going to allow God to become the source that you turn to. I wonder if you just leave your seat this morning and join us in the front. I'm just, it's just a general invitation. It's no big emotional appeal this morning. But I believe that God is going to impact hearts, lives, homes, families, and futures in the next few moments today. It'd be all right if we emptied out of the chairs and just into the aisles. That'd be fine. From the front to the back, we're going to sing in just a moment. We're going to ask Phil to get ready. We're going to be baptizing him in just a minute. But God's doing a work in somebody's life right now. I just believe there's that kind of power in this word. When you come to the front, if you just join together with someone, you don't have anybody, find someone nearby and just join together with them. We're going to pray that the Holy Ghost will be poured out in this room. If you do want to be baptized and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, please see me right here at the front. We'll talk about it for a few moments, but we're going to begin to sing, and the Holy Ghost is going to begin to move because God's opened someone's eyes this morning. If you just allow that to happen, let's, let's let God Come work. To 